Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. We are right now, scenes and a lot of these podcasts, I talk about where we're at because they're taking place in different different environments, different places. And right now we are a week into elk season and um, special guest. We've got Matt Elliott, uh, work sharp. What's your job role name? Director of marketing. Unbelievable. And <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yes. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe it either. And, uh, and I got Troy, our marketing manager for born and raised outdoors with us. And, and so I, I just wanted to dive in quick. We were, we were starting to talk about some stuff and we were getting here and there on topics as far as what do we want to, what, what, what kind of value that we can bring. And that's, I think that's my big thing with this podcast is like, we could talk about stuff. We could, we could, you know, reminisce about, you know, Oh man, remember that hunt, remember this hunt and everything. But I, I, think there's a lot of podcasts out there that you can get that from but i really want to create value every single time that we come online every single time that you guys listen to our podcast and and when matt he said let's you know he was he was totally willing to do a podcast i wanted to come about it from a different segment i wanted to come about it from uh guys and i think we exude this as much as we can as far as you can do anything you want to do you just have to put your mind to it and Matt has grown himself from, what did you start out as? A fishing guide in Alaska. Okay, see? Lowest, <laughs> bottom of the barrel. Bottom, bottom of, of the, the barrel. barrel. <laughs> we just started true in awesome. a way. No. No, like no, no knock on uh, on Alaskan fishing guides because a lot of them are Coast Guard certified professional real, guides real from Oregon and Washington. It's the real deal. Yeah. I, you know, at that time we weren't necessarily the real deal. It was like summertime college job. We loved fishing. We, you know, we, we had a really good time doing it, but by no means was I any sort of the professional guide that you would run into if you hired a professional guide in the but, lower 48. But you were doing it. Oh yeah. We caught the heck out of a ton of fish yeah. too. No, I, I'm just, what I'm getting at, I think is just like, um, I've, I've been around you, uh, a, a fair amount and within the last when did we meet and we're going to get into this and we're going to go deep as far as that goes um entrepreneurship and and just you know the starting of actually born and raised outdoors and the starting of what we've have you know what we've kind of grown into it must have been 2014 or 2015 yeah i would say yeah and matt worked his way up into benchmade mm-hmm uh, what was your job role there? I started at Benchmade. I remember right after I graduated, it was 2008 and the job market was awful. You know, obviously it was like the economic collapse, the recession big, and all of that. And big I, downfall. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm from a place south of Portland called Wilsonville, Oregon. And I was living with a buddy of mine, hunting buddy of mine, working at Sportsman's Warehouse, guiding in Alaska during the summers. And I graduated from college and I'm looking through the job classifieds. I don't even, you know, I don't even remember what the job 
Indeed wasn't a thing back then. I, I can't remember what the old job website was. Do you remember, Troy? Or Not a lot of social media? No. No, definitely not back then. They call like, it classifieds or cl- yeah, something I, like that. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was looking through and I saw this posting for uh, a local knife company, which there's a lot of in Portland because it has its own epicenter for knife making. And it was for a marketing coordinator job for an undisclosed or kind of secret company. And I remember hoping that it was Benchmade because I'd had a one of my roommates a few years prior, a friend of mine, a couple of, I lived with a couple of gals I went to high school with, really um, good friends. And one of their boyfriends, who was also a friend of mine, was a Marine. And I remember nice. her buying him a Benchmade knife. It was a mini Griptilian. And I went to the store with her to Sportsman's where I worked and got her this mini Griptilian. And I just thought, like, that that's $120 for a pocket knife? That's crazy. And I remember seeing that, like, local knife company, company undisclosed, and, and I just was so intrigued by it that I hoped it was Benchmade. And when I went to apply, it turned out it was. Definitely sounds like classifieds. Super classified. Yeah, super classified. Super classified. It was, a, but it was a subsidiary of Benchmade that made emergency rescue tools. It, the company was called Houdini. Benchmade had made these super classified. So Benchmade had made these these tools called the ERT one, the emergency rescue tool, and it was a handheld about the size of a large pocket knife, but it had a folding rescue hook that comes out, which is like this little single beveled hook that you can wrap around anything and cut seat belts in a hurry for emergency rescue personnel for extrication. Yeah, and uh, but it also it had a spring loaded center punch on the bottom and a little light. I was in the fire department. I know all about that. You do okay. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. you remember Task Force Tips, the company that would make your, like, fire hose Correct. tips? Correct, yep. So they had a small version of one of those called a, a what was the Task Force Tips? It's called a Rescue Me. And it was, like, this cheesy little pocket deal that would go on to a key ring. You could pull, pull it off, cut a seat belt, break a window, but it didn't work at all. It was not expensive. It was, like, six bucks. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, they did nail it. And so Benchmade thought, well, man, we can make one of these that really works well, and we'll sell it to every concerned grandma, mom, dad with a new driver in the house, whatever's a stocking stuffer. There you go. Well, they, so they made the finest one you could possibly make. You know, it was like 20, so we had to sell it for 25 bucks in order for it to actually take hold and be able to be profitable for us. And then we had Task Force Tips making this rescue meet at six bucks. A unit, and, and even though it didn't work, it just got her butts whipped. Oh, really? And yeah, this is a good learning lesson for. So they brought you me. in. They brought you in. Yep, as a marketing coordinator. Marketing coordinator, and yep. you said this is going to work. Well, and I did everything there because the guy who was the VP, quote unquote, he, it was pretty obvious after some time. He didn't last very long. But it was pretty obvious. He, <laughs> he didn't last very he long. Did <laughs> he did not. It was obvious to the rest Weird. of the executives at Benchmade that I was the guy who was actually doing everything. This guy lived in Texas, and I'm pretty sure he was double dipping. Like he was, he was working for. He, he had no intention of actually doing anything. Right. I remember the day he got let go, he told me he was going to... Things weren't going that well because it was hard to sell stuff. And yeah, yeah. He, he told me, Matt, I'm going to... I'm just going to go in there guns blazing. And he was going <laughs> to... just was really not a good idea over. with that executive team. It was like, <laughs> Did not happen. So I was sitting in Red Robin eating lunch, like waiting to hear. And my phone rings and it's Benchmade calling. And I answered I answer the phone and it's Greg Mooney, the president at the time. 
Matt, Greg Mooney here. You know, I was expecting to hear from this guy, Scott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Guns I'm done. Guns <laughs> I'm done. It was like within two minutes of when that meeting was supposed to start. You know? Really? Oh, yeah. Scott didn't make it, but I did. So I was going to say, then they hired Matt for? Uh, then they hired me to continue to be the marketing coordinator of Houdini. Here's the smart thing that, well, let me back up, that because this is an important learning lesson. 100%. You have to understand there's more to it than just having a good idea and a good product because the Houdini product was way better. It actually worked. Cut seat belts, broke glass. The Rescue Me did not. The Rescue Me was 6 bucks. The Houdini was $25. Okay. And even though we're talking about a life-saving device, it wasn't the thought to the consumer, consumer was never that they would ever have to use it. It was just for the peace of mind that it was there. And so they were totally willing to slum it for six bucks instead of buy one that actually works for 25. And so what's your percentage on people that use it? Oh, it's almost none, which is why it's just yeah, like, just that's give what me the six dollar thing. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, you're right. It's the gift of thought. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to understand your value proposition and your target market and what they're willing to pay. And so that's where marketing comes in heavy. Yes. So there. So Greg Mooney sits me down pretty much right after this. And Benchmade was owned by a guy who's long since passed. Hats off. To yep. Hats off. Les Diazis. Oh, uh, Les is a... The man. I'll tell that story later. I'll tell that story later. So much love for that guy. Uh, Passed away too early. But uh, at the time, Greg Mooney was president and Les had been the owner. Now John, his son, is the CEO and owner. Still owned by the family, the Diaz's family. But he... uh, Okay. Greg sits me down and he was like, if this was your company, what would you do? And this was one of those moments and I felt like it was like a career-making move where it was just awful. How many years had you been in immersed in it? Just a year and a half at a that point. A year and a half. Yeah, and I, I knew what I would do and I just thought, you know, honesty is the best approach here. And I told Greg, I said, if it was my money, I would close this business down. I mean, we're talking, this is a company I work for, you know, I'm like... I was just, and I had no idea if I was going to continue to have a job. I hadn't been offered any sort of thing at Benchmade wow. yet. I just thought, like, it's not working. And and the fact that we'd made the deal to buy them for the price we had that in order to be profitable created a need to sell them for that price was an unfixable cluster. Like, we couldn't get out of that. You couldn't make it up. No, it was just going to continue to spend, we were just going to continue to spend money. And I... The right thing to do in any business situation is, I think, it's not about you. It's not about your job. It's not about your job security. You operate from a place of what what is the right thing to do for this business, for the employees, for the culture. And if that means I'm here or I'm not here, that's agnostic of the situation that you're in. And Greg, you know, from there we decided to liquidate things. so we work to like, you know, like home shopping network stuff, whatever, to get rid of all the inventory. QVC. Yeah, man. QVC. And oh, then Trent and, was a big and, QVC and guy. And then from Easy. There. Trent was not a big QVC <laughs> guy, but maybe I may or may not have watched it back when I was. And and young. from there I'd always like uh I'd always brought wild game meat in for the executive team, you know, like just for them, it was interesting stuff. For us, it's normal stuff. Back, venison, backstrap, elk, whatever. You've hunted all your Ducks. life. Ducks. Uh, no, I've fished all my life. I didn't start hunting until I was 17. My dad yeah. my dad wasn't a hunter, so it wasn't until my buddies and, and I had cars that we could actually go and do it ourselves. Yeah. 
So, but I fished my whole life. My dad was awesome with that. He would take me to like whatever, wherever we were. He'd take me to the local hardware store. He didn't know anything about fishing, but he'd take me to the local hardware store. He'd do and, it. and and I'd get to talk to like whoever the fishing guy was, and yeah. my dad would buy me whatever we needed. And you know, if we were surf casting for humpies out on Woodby Island, or you know, like he he would get me set up, and and he loved to just kick back and watch me fish. He still does to this day. My dad will will come with me fishing and he'll just really kick out a lawn chair, come in my bass boat and he'll just sit in the seat and I'll fish. He won't yeah. fish. He's just, that's impressive. yeah, it's pretty, it was really cool of him. So, it's a pastime. I think that, I think that's <laughs> indicative of a lot of father son relationships. Like yeah. you pass that on and it's just like, you know what, son, run with it. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. And just celebrating like, your kid's interests, regardless of what your interests are. You were talking about that. Like, not letting Trent, you're not letting your ego for what you want for your own reputation take over your children's activity base. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I think it's, I mean, I don't think I put it into my own reputation as far as that, as far as I, I don't, it's not about me right. at that point. It's, it's everything I've got is from, you know, trying to be as selfless as possible and, and just learning from, from those experiences. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a whole different thing when you have your kid, your son involved and you want him to, we were just talking about this just a little bit ago. It's just like, you want him to be as successful or whatever he wants to be. And I've had to take a step back. It's like, okay, do you want to hunt or am I pushing you to hunt? Mm-hmm. Or do you, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And it, it's, I know we're getting off topic a baseball. little bit. If you want to do baseball, let's 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 go ahead on That's that. Why I like baseball? Yeah, I mean, baseball team. You know, I mean, it's, you know, he's a social dude. Yeah, he's a social social dude, and and you know, I wouldn't say it's like a sport oriented thing. I would say it's just like an outdoor. I mean, we live by a river, and he's down at the river fishing. I mean, every other day, you know. He likes fishing. Yeah, yeah, loves it. Loves it. I well, I, I said that because I've been, we're all really close, and I've been, like, watching Trent kind of go through that whole thing with with his son where it's like he, hey, man, you're really, really good at these things. You have a future in these things. But it's like, oh, I want to try these other things. And he's like, oh, all right. And just, all right, I support that. Even though, you know, inside he's like, ah. <laughs> you could be doing these things that you're really good at. And he's like, no, but Hey, you want to go do these things? That's totally fine. And like, it's been pretty cool to watch. Mm-hmm. It's when you become a parent, it's a whole different, whole different deal. And I will say things change when you can become a parent for a teenager. Right. You know, you're, you're when they're, when they're young, I think you're trying to instill in them, you know, good values and, you know, like the hardcore stuff. And they, I think they say from like, what is it? Like three to five years, kids learn almost 70% of what they're going to be for their life. So I, that's a special time as far as like instilling in them, you know, as far as, you know, trying to teach them just core values, super, super core, like, you know, live up to your expectations. Don't, 
don't lie, don't steal, don't, you know, mm-hmm. all these, all these, mm-hmm. all these things, books of the Bible. How about that? Yep. Ten Commandments stuff. Yep. You know, and I, I think that's very important. And then when they get into their own realm, it's just like, okay, it's a whole different. I'm learning things now with my kids, like Wyatt, he has friends that are gone all the time. And it's just like, they're always doing something and all right. And now it's driver's license and it's just, you know, it's a whole different deal. And I think on this podcast, people that have been listening to our podcast have just kind of grown up with the whole fact that me raising my son and it's been a, it's been a journey and I won't lie to you at all. I'm, I'm, I'm totally honest and, and, and forthcoming as far as like, it's always something right. And you have to, sometimes disappoint them and say, no, you can't go there. Mm -hmm. You can't do this. And you have to also, on the other hand, like Josh from chasing tales, uh, the guy I've, I've the relationships that we make. And I think I'd like to, I'd like to kind of dive into this a little bit with you, Matt, as far as the relationship that we make, we saw a guy, we were blacktail hunting, and we saw a guy in the bottom of a unit, the very bottom of a unit. And I'm glassing and I'm looking down there and he has a buck and it's a giant buck. And anyway, he's by himself and he, you know, with... Is the buck alive at this point? Is no, he like no, on no, the buck? He, he's, he's killed down it. There. Okay. Yeah, he's down there with this buck and I'm, I'm glassing it and I'm just like that guy needs help. He can't, you know, he can't just put that buck on his back, you know? And so anyway, it was, it was a, it was a neat, neat time for me as far as like why it was with me. It was me and him. And I said, I said, why? I said, we need to go help him out. We need to go help him. He just killed a giant buck for one. I wanted to see the deer. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. And anyway, and I said, I, I said, we need to go help him out. And so I drove up to where his rig was parked and his son, I think he was, I don't know, 13 at the time, maybe. And, um, he was sitting there on the landing and I said, what's going on? And he said, oh, we, you know, my dad killed a big buck, blah, blah, blah. And, um, uh, actually I think his mom killed the big buck and he was going down to get it anyway. Long story short, I was just like, well, i just threw my pack on and why it was just like, I'm all in dad, you know? And he bailed off with me, got clear down there. And um, anyway, he, he's just like, he saw me coming down the hill. You know, as I got to him, clear down at the bottom, he's like, are you kidding me right now? Because <laughs> he, he knew who we were. I mean, it, yeah, it was crazy. Anyway, he knew who you were when you yeah, showed up. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, it looks like you need some help. I said, you know, we haven't seen anything all day. And, um, anyway, could, how big it, was the back? It was big. It, it was, it was, uh, one twenties. No, it was a straight fork and horn. That was probably, I would say 18 by 18. It was giant. It was heavy, and super something. You can't, yeah. yeah something you Just can't pass. Those, it. Yeah. You yeah, can't yeah. pass it. Up. No. Yeah. No, no kidding. Can't pass it up. And I would have shot it opening day, any day, oh, of, the yep, yep. Any day of the week. And anyway, and so, and I said, okay. And so I just pulled my knife out of my pack 
and his name's Josh. Great guy, and it's it, it's the relationships made. And I think you know you you we we talked about this before this podcast started. It's the relationships made, and anyway, and and quartered up, help him quarter up the buck, and do all the you know what we needed to do and everything, and put it in packs. Wyatt had the head. Wyatt, you know, and by this time Wyatt was super young, and um, he packed the head out. You know, that was his job is pack the head, you know, so and it was straight up. It was just straight up to the road and and got there. But what I'm getting at here is, is Josh, I, I gave him my information and he gave me his and it was two years later and we talked and stuff and texted back and forth and stuff like that. And we were, we were close and everything. It was two years later that he texted me and said, Trent, can you be at Canyon at, at this location in the morning? And at uh, X Canyon in yeah, the morning, at yes. this Canyon in the morning. And, um, and I said, what do you got? And he goes, he goes, I got a giant buck. And he says, I need you to be here tom- tomorrow morning. And it was, it just worked out to the point where I've just said, yeah, I can be there. Cause I, I could at that time, it was crazy. I didn't have any meetings. I didn't have anything. And I was there and he was selfless enough to pay it forward. And he goes, I think this buck's going to be in this unit. I've scouted him. I've seen him. And I got down there and Josh is unbelievable, unbelievable. Chasing tails outdoors, unbelievable. And he's just like, Trent, there he is. I'm like, where? We're looking at this unit. It's a bald unit pretty much, but it's got this fireweed in it. And he saw his ear flicker. The buck was bedded down on this ridge at 500 yards and he spotted him. And anyway, long story short, I went in there and I shot the buck and I killed it. And, but. How big was the buck? Um, good buck. Yeah, it's uh, it's I, I don't know. It's one one eighteen, one twenty. Good buck. Yeah, yeah, really good buck. Big black tail. Really good. Big black tail. Yeah, it's really wide, super wide buck. And but at the same time, it's just like and packaged it up with a bow for you to say thanks. Isn't <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. that great? <laughs> with a bow. What do you mean? Oh, like, like, like you wrapped the it in a present. Wrapped it up like oh, a Christmas yeah, present. It was just Packaged like, hey, it up and, Trent, here's the deal. You. I'd like Come to give you this deer. And shoot this giant buck tomorrow morning. <laughs> I was like, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> that doesn't sound terrible. You <laughs> let know, me, let mean, me check my schedule. Uh, just opened I'll up. I'll be there. Just opened up. Just opened yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like what you, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Right. And anyway, let's get back. Let's, let's, we, we took a hard detour. <laughs> Our detour. That's what's it's beautiful a, about these conversations, a, though. A worthy detour. Yeah, but it's Sitting a hard campfire detour. just talking about so stuff. Bring, bring it all back around. Yeah, I don't want it to be about that. How about this segue? We're talking about, so you kill this buck. Obviously, in that case, he's providing you with meat. Oh, I see what right? you're going to do. So I, what I, where we were taking that back to where the story was, what we were talking about, like, at least my background, I was talking about how I was taking meat and giving it to the executives mm. at work. See what I just did there? I love that. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, uh, so I'm a marketing coordinator at the time. I've been bringing, for Houdini, I've been bringing all this meat in for Houdini's the executives. a big name Never even heard of that. Yeah. Just really, I've, known you, I've known you for a long time. <laughs> I've really never took even off. heard the word Houdini. Oh, man, it's Houdini. Great. So, you know, break, cut, escape. That was the slogan. Can I Ooh, ask I like a question? That, actually. 
That's really what? cool. I love the break cuts. What wow, amazing! So, did at that time? <laughs> yeah, the whatever. At that time, did Benchmade have a hunt program? <laughs> no, no. Zero. So this is where we're getting to. Where are we, we talking? So Benchmade started. Give me, a, give me a. Are you the founder of the hunting? Yes. Department? Well, in a, in a way. In you a learn way. something new every day, Trent. Man, I just took off my hat. <laughs> so, so Benchmade started as a tactical and still to this day, you know, like really core tactical. Les was really into martial arts in Los Angeles. And it started actually as a butterfly knife company, which is where the butterfly and the logo comes from. It's a Bally Song Bally knife. Song. Les yeah. was Filipino, is, is was Filipino, yeah. his heritage. And he was into Filipino martial arts in this Los Angeles community where he had this one group of Filipino martial arts, another group of more of the, like the Kung Fu Bruce Lee, uh, Danny Asanto talking crowd. about me. And, and they, I don't know if they were, I kind of think of it like West Side Story or something. Like there were these kind of warring groups in a fun way. I didn't really have any involvement to know enough about how that all started. But I do know that Les was really into guns and knives and was at a, was at a knife show down there and was talking to some custom knife guys who were like, yeah, man, I work in my garage. You know, I like kind of do whatever I want. And... And through that, he, he thought that sounded amazing. With he, forging uh, and all that. Yeah, he always referred to himself as unemployable. But Les wasn't like a, he wasn't going to go grind on his own knives. So what he did is he contracted people to make some knife parts for him, he and his cousin. And they okay. made a okay. set of five to ten butterfly knives, you know, with the two handles that separate. Like oh, Karate yeah. Kid, you fling yeah. it around, right? Yeah. And, and they took Karate it Kid ever did that. In, in the movie, in Karate Kid 2, I think at the end, when they're having the fight off over the girl, the dude decides to cheat and he pulls out a knife and he's like flipping. Is it his, a bench made? No, I don't know. I Darn have no it. idea. But it's a Bally Song butterfly knife. <laughs> okay. So they take it into this local uh, shop that sells guns and knives and the guy's like, hold on, takes it back to the owner, comes back, says, these are amazing. We want like 200 of these in the next two weeks. And they're like, oh, okay. You're like, of course. Yeah, you know? and the they walks I off can like, do that. How, what's, you know, how am I ever going to do that? That's the entrepreneur spirit that he had that you guys have for just kind of like forging your way into mm. wherever you go. So like that, it was a fight. That's a fighting knife. So Benchmade at its roots was a fighting knife, which then translated later into military knives. Les was like one of the pioneers of automatic knife making, uh, you know, by the time I came in, Benchmade was probably a 20 year old company founded in 1987. So okay. yeah, I was like 2008, okay. 2009. Okay. So 20, 20, 20 to 22 years old. And, Makes sense. and so then, uh, so now fast forward to this point where I, I brought, I'm, I'm working for Houdini. I, I've been bringing in all this meat. Benchmade would buy other knife companies, like smaller ones, to get some of their technologies. And a knife company out of Tualatin called Lone Wolf that made these cool dual action knives that they bought to get these dual action knives, which you can open as automatics or manuals. It's a pretty sweet deal. Uh, okay. And and one of my mentors in the shooting sports industry and business in general, a guy named Rob Morrison, brought me to this he was on the executive team he was the director of marketing at the time he brought me to a meeting with the ad agency and and this whole meeting was about this lone wolf knives which was a subsidiary brand they were going to take that shell company in lone wolf they thought it was a great name for an outdoor knife company hmm. because i brought enough wild gaming in they thought like who could we have you know kind of be guy. a product brand manager for this new this hunting guy. approach this guy so that i he wanted to test my sort of abilities in a meeting with a marketing agency like that. And 
I must have shown up well because they offered me the job as a brand manager to help create this line of knives, which is sure. super fun. So I immediately went from being in this subsidiary brand to another subsidiary brand, but got like, thrown into the mix now with a whole bunch of engineers and product developers and got to create a whole line of hunting knives. Han. They were still at that point in time, that, that knife line, Lone Wolf, stuck around for three, four years, three years. The, the challenge with Lone Wolf was that Lone Wolf is a subsidiary knife, less expensive. We were trying to get a piece of the market in the lower end, which in total there's more money to be had, but not necessarily. But it's a very commodified market. There's a whole bunch of brands fighting for that same pool of dollars. Benchmade ha- ha- did and still has this very unique thing where they make very high-end knives yeah. at mass production levels. It, unmatched, really unmatched quality for that kind of volume. Not unlike SIG, you know, like just really agree. High, yeah. high tolerance, yeah. right. really yeah. great product. Totally. Uh, high-end stuff. High-end stuff. Yeah. And and at reasonable prices. You're not paying custom prices. It's exactly. not like you're, yeah, you're not exactly. buying like a Nighthawk pistol, but you're getting that quality sure. in a SIG for less money. So all of the dealers for Benchmade... They're like, look, we don't want to buy these lone wolf knives. We want Benchmade hunting knives, mm-hmm. which then led us to start consolidating our brands back down to really focusing on the high end of the market. And from there, myself and a guy named David Fee, my second mentor in business, awesome dude, um, worked for Bowtech for a while, now works for a company called, oh man, what's the company? Uh, it's Talk escaping me. me. It's it's uh you'll see him sometimes. He works for the company that makes the site the the uh, road cycling suits that had the Scorpion logo on them. It's like the high end road cycling stuff. David was really into. I'm a big cycler. Endurance. I should know that. You would look great. In, yeah. Are you really a big cycler? No, no, no. No, you would look amazing in a, like a tight, really tight suit yeah. with a Scorpion on it. Yeah, yeah it'd be awesome. No. Yeah, no, no. Thumbnail idea. I am looking idea. into actually getting some bicycle shorts though. Are you? Yeah. For what? Bicycling. <laughs> uh, are you not, talking about the bicycle shorts with the butt pad yeah, so that that's the one that's that, a good that's so that when one. you're riding in yeah. you can yeah botch pad good idea yeah botch pad. so uh, like david fee and myself and a couple other people are trying to figure out how we can take and consolidate back to the benchmade brand and what are some of the potential market opportunities for us and from that we created through a couple of surveys and ideas around what types of knives they could be and what categories still existed for us, Benchmade Hunt, which I believe to this day at that production level, like Benchmade is in other areas, this is the is was and is the finest, most high performance line of production level, mass scale hunting knives really? ever created. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And and they still have it to this day. It was a huge impact to their brand. So, yeah. that, so that's like, then from there, so I, friends, then from there I was the senior marketing manager, ended up as the director of marketing for Benchmade. And then I went through an MBA program. It was a crazy time in my life. Uh, at the end of all I remember, that, I, 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 I remember a little bit of, as far as, I don't know where I came into the mix, um, Probably around the time I was a senior marketing manager there yeah. was when I met Ty. Yes. Yep. You met Ty, who a lot of people that maybe have a lot listened to this and stuff like that know Ty. And a uh, great guy. And anyway, and he's the one that introduced us to Benchmade. Yep. Yeah. And it was it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was like, wow. 
you got to understand, I think, you know, I, you get to a point in business where it's just like, you know, wow, we're getting free knives. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? They're going to send me a knife, you know, I mean, and the, the, the only thing I'll say about this, as far as, as far as like a, a legacy kind of thing is there is one thing in people's lives. And I think, I think it just, you know, evolves in, in outdoorsmen as far as like, you can give away a lot of stuff. I can give you a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I can give you away uh first light pants. I can give you, I can give you a lot of different stuff. When you give a knife to somebody, it's a different deal. It is. It's a tool. It is a, it is something that is like a uh, longevity, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I can use this and it's significant. Right? And you give a nice knife to somebody, people don't forget you. It creates instant bonds. It does. In a weird way. Like it you, does. You give me a gun yeah. and it wouldn't have as much meaning as you giving me a knife. I don't 100%. know why that is. I, you know, I, I, I would totally agree with you. I would totally agree with you. And it was just like when we signed on with Benchmade back in the day, and we're going to get to the whole part where we <laughs> went to the ATA show. And the first day that I met you, I was pitching you this idea. Mm-hmm. And this is where we sit tonight underneath a propane fire because of fire danger. We can't have a real fire. And uh, it'll it, still burn you. It still feels great. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. Pro tip, you know, I, I don't know who makes this thing. Is this a camp chef? I don't know. It, no. It's a yeah, propane, I think, no, I think it is I think a camp it's a camp chef, chef propane fire pit. Yeah. Great for fire season. You can't light a fire, so bring your propane fire pit. More and more people are starting to buy these, and I'm. it's such a great thing to have in your arsenal when it comes to hunting season mm-hmm. and or just camping in the summertime. Totally like, agree. Yeah, you got to carry a propane tank around and this thing, but it's like so much better than having a quarter quarter wood in the back of your truck and having to sweep that out afterwards too. Like it's just very nice. We take them on the boats. Totally agree. Love it. Yeah. But, but at the same time, it's just like meeting you and then propositioning land of the free. Let's just talk about that. It wasn't land of the I have free. an idea, right? Yeah, totally. It was. It was an idea. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. It was. A, it was an idea. It wasn't land of the free at that point. Even you didn't even know what it was. Yet. We didn't have a clue what it was, and we we so yeah. So I'll preface this by: we go to ATA show, we jump on an airplane, which in Indianapolis that yeah, year. We don't have we don't have money to do that, and we did it. <laughs> we jump on an airplane, and we're just like, okay. And, and this is this is really really cool from what Matt's already said as far as not entrepreneur side of things and just like just trying to trying to up yourself yeah right I mean trying to do trying to live your dream how about that huevos grandes I don't even know what that means <laughs> it's big eggs it's like big you eggs. know like and you I have a, you have a brass hundred percent brass set to just like cha- just go for it yeah man. at I that point it. they were not were they were not the brass they were not brass were you nervous on the flight and going into the meeting and all that? so we went into the meeting and we didn't know what we were going to we i will say we prepped for it though we had a whole media deck we mm-hmm. had all this but at the same time and i'm just going to be totally blatantly honest and matt knows this is we had numbers but those numbers were like this is we're going to do this and you're going to get this 
those were all projected numbers. We had yeah. no, we had no idea. Like off of what, right? <laughs> yeah, off of what? Like off of what? You know, we had no I idea. Guarantee like, you, we I can support this. You you're going to sell sure. this many knives if you sign with us. Yeah, that is not true. That no, is, and you guys didn't take it that far, which is good that you didn't. You know, it's like you really focused on the idea, and and we were talking about this last night, and you and Cody were asking me like, man, because I knew Cody from. So I had the relationship with Ty, and then through Ty, met Cody started sponsoring the Full Drop Film Tour. Correct. And so then Cody asked for this meeting at ATA show with me to, to pitch this idea of whatever this video project was going to be, the day-by-day Day series. Yes. You guys were asking me last night, like, man, what like, what made you have faith in us? We didn't have any, we didn't have a pot to piss in as far as like what we did in the past with this. Passion, yes, the passion for it is something, uh, the character of the people this is the reason people gravitate towards you guys and the content, the selflessness you're talking about, Trent. It's like you, Trevor, Cody, Steve, you guys have just a certain character and follow through that makes it like I can sense in a very short period of time through the passion, like Troy is saying, that you guys are going to give it everything you have. And that's so much more important than you showing up with some trumped up numbers on some sheet of paper, trying to tell me what you're going to get when you have nothing to back it up with. But we showed up with some trumped up numbers. You did. <laughs> and, and telling you everything that we had no idea what we we're going to back it up with. You guys were so honest about we that. We were, right? we were. It was, it was so fun because ATA, Matt, I just, I remember, you know, my memories. Is terrible. It's as good as mine. No, my mom calls it CRS disease. You no, ever heard that? It's no, I don't even know what that. Means. Can't remember shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that means because yeah, mine's worse than that. <laughs> I, I just I didn't know, and at the same time we had this media deck all made up and everything. We met on the couches outside in the lobby. Remember that? I do. And oh, I remember the exact spot on the corner where it rolls towards the cafe that we were sitting. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I remember it like, I don't remember anything, but I remember that moment very distinctly. And I'll be honest, like, I was nervous as as heck. I mean, I, I was just like in the point where it was just like, I'd cut timber for so many years, and my goal one day was to like, do this full time. And I, I, you know, and I don't know if I've ever, you know, done a podcast about this, but at the same time, it was just like, I was in the timber industry for so many years and it was just like, and don't get me wrong. I love the timber. It supported my family. It supported, it's still uh really, you know, a life breath as far as for me, but it was one of these things where I wanted to like break into something that I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so it was one of those, it was one of those things where I was just like, this is our chance. This is our moment. We came up with this project. We were still all working full time. We didn't, we didn't, you know, we didn't have like, this wasn't like our make or break moment, but at the same time for our normal jobs, but it was, it, it was, ended up kind of being though. yeah, it was, yeah, it was our make or break for the future. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we pitched this idea of a day by day, uh, all the way through hunting season, we're going to hunt five States and then we're going to be with five different companies, which was going to actually, you know, we're going to group with them to gain us uh, subscribers. You were aiming for five companies. Five companies, yeah. We did at the time. And we talked with those five companies. They were all in. 
They said, okay, yeah, we'll do this. But at the same time, we didn't have enough money, so we could not take a month off because that's a month of, you Was know. Was Hoyt one of those companies? Absolutely. Okay, I can think of all five of them then. Yeah. First Light's one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, and then there's three others. Yeah. We, I mean, all <laughs> three other. I could go. Like I said, my memory is terrible. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, it was. And Benchmade was like, we didn't. You know, we wanted the sponsors to try to pay for this, mm-hmm. and at least just pay for the travel. No, yeah, yeah, no, no, pay for the trip. And that yeah. was the whole thing. We were eating everything else. We were eating. Yeah. Our families were eating. We. Well, my family was trying to eat because it was like, it was a burden. What a huge huge thing for Kendra to be able to just throw it to the wind like that. And Andrea and you guys are needing. When you go to your wife and say, I'm going to quit our secure job of cutting trees and I'm going to join YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) And, and my wife, oh man, she is unbelievable. She's just like, if this is what you want to do. And you've supported us all your life from here. And she was just like, then go do it. She was somewhat go happy to, for you to find a way out of the timber falling. The safety too, side of it alone she? is probably like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah no, just I, a sense yeah. of security from that. Like so your own personal safety. Cause it's yeah. a dangerous job. Oh, it, is. Yeah. Yeah. it is. And I got busted up and, and the thing with cutting timber is, you know, you, you, you work and everything and you do well, when you're when you're working every single day and then you get busted up like i busted a lot of bones and broken stuff and everything and i don't want to get too far down this rat hole but at the same time costs and then money. you go back yeah it costs money everything costs money and you got to it just it just costs money and you go back and then okay well all right then we're going ahead you know it was it was just a it was a weird time as far as just like trying to make everything ends meet and trying to secure the money to do this project that we wanted to do that we thought would, that we thought would change lives. I knew, I, I knew it would work, Trent. And I, you, uh, you, you were the one we sat on that couch and I don't mean to interrupt you, but you were the one that you're just like, yeah, we're all in. First like. Excuse me? What, what? Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, we're all in. Yeah, let's do it. And I'm just like, and that's when, honestly, and it was after that, and I honestly think that a lot of the changer was like when we started saying, okay, what do we want to do? What do we, what, you know, and then we came up with certain knives, and then we started. Mm-hmm. Trent told me, like, off the record that he, he's like having the meeting with you, you first and you instilling the confidence into him that they could pull this project off and do it. What carried them through the other meetings, mm. carried them through the beginning of the launch, carried them through everything where it was like, awesome. just hearing that first person, that first meeting saying, hey, yeah, we believe in you. It was we tough. It. That was the first, it, 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 like it, it, it was morning, it was like nine in the morning. Very, very, very early in the morning. Go, yeah. Moving forward. And then it was the, you know, confidence. Okay, we can do this. Yeah. They believe in us. And and the the blessing of that whole thing was every single company that we had on our list that we went to, there wasn't one of them that said no, yeah. not one of them. And it was just like holy moly. And then, oh, oh, now moly. it's real. And then yeah. it got really real. It's and not it's just got, an idea. Yeah, and it was just like so. We got to 
Hold on. Wait. So we got to do yeah, this. Yeah, back up. We got to do this now? <laughs> okay. Hold on. You guys on. must have been having a few cocktails on the flight home. There was some of that. Yeah. Yeah, there was some of that. <laughs> the flight home. Oh, man. We were just like, so we have the funding now. And when I say funding, I don't mean millions of dollars. I mean very small, small amounts of dollars. As like far enough as money to cover a hunting season. Enough money to cover a hunting season, yeah. And, it was and enough money to cover a hunting season and for you to be able to at least take the leap of faith to commit to not falling timber anymore. Because originally when we talked, you were saying like, oh, I'm probably planning on doing this for another year. Like, one. Well, at least for I, that month. I thought you guys had cool dynamics. Like, you know, you're a lumberjack Different. your brother's a dentist which i remember telling you specifically when he told me that i was like do not quit your job do not quit your job <laughs> let's just take this through C- cody you know i think was he working for north river he was working again? for north yeah. river at the same time, kind yeah. of restructured and yep. they were back at yep. it yep. And, you got, and, and steve's a plumber and you guys just had this like you had a, a cool connection you've been doing it a long time and for some there was something about you guys and the way that you presented this where it was so obvious that it was going to work like i hadn't ever heard a pitch of such a slam dunk before two times in my life one with you guys and another time when i met nate simmons and he and i started a friendship and you could just tell he was this rare talent that was able to both film and hunt nate and simmons is unbelievable unbelievable right. and he is a huge inspiration for us is he huge yeah huge for me huge and and i just i just could tell like you guys had nate i had a relationship first partly because my best friend like from kindergarten married his sister is how he oh and I, really yeah it's how, and no, now I'm my kidding. wife is best friends with his sister carly so goodness I, gracious we, yeah they got this more point. contact every time i talk to you <laughs> you're just like yeah i mean denzel washington he's a decent guy i mean he's a nice <laughs> yeah. guy oh, no. you know i mean that's oh, you no. that we is stay you. in contact we stay uh, i mean yeah we're in contact but that was yeah, yeah. but, I, but there's a few times in my life where i've seen that kind of thing where it's so obvious that it's going to work that it's no problem to just say yeah yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, like I had, yeah. I probably had more confidence that it was. You had more work confidence than, you guys than we did. <laughs> <laughs> because because the pa- because the title of a passion project is it's passion, and you guys all had secure jobs. You all had these things that you were doing, but you you truly wanted. It wasn't even about at that point. Like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We've just known you guys for the years I have. Like it wasn't even. <laughs> You had no idea where it was going to take you or what it was going to become. You you always talk about like, oh, like I want to do this full time. But at that time, it wasn't. And at that time, you just really wanted to do this thing because you wanted to make a shift in the industry and you wanted to you wanted to do something that had never been done because like we based a lot of our company off innovation and just like staying ahead of everyone else in our own way, naturally. And it was passion based you didn't have to do it you weren't just being like we're desperate for money like we're blah 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 no. you're like oh we you wanted to no, do it was this a total pro- risk we did yeah we didn't we have the money to, to fly out thing. and talk to you yeah good, good i mean point. we did obviously you yeah and that's a great point it, and that's why it's so that's attractive great, to someone that's like, a great point as far as like hmm. we build you know i will say and, and cody's been a he's 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 really taught me a lot in business as far as just like Let's start out. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And anybody listening to this, like I, I get a lot of emails and a, a ton of feedback. Like I want to do what you guys do. And, and Cody was a really, really good expiring person as far as like, let's start out with a business plan. What do we want to do? What do we want to do? And uh, right off the bat, the first things that we did was we want to, you know, we want to educate people. 
We want to entertain people and we want to inspire people. Inspire, yeah. You know, and those are our three pillars. And we've always, we always go back to that. And it doesn't matter. Like we'll go out and if we made a, a frog gigging video, I, I'm just throwing things out there. But don't at throw the same the frog time, stuff. We yeah. Go down a rabbit hole on the frog stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, you know what, does this hit those, any of those three pillars? You know, and then that's something that we want to produce. And so it's one of those things where you you learn what you want to be. And Cody taught me he's taught me a ton about business, a ton about business. And he's been a really, really good driving force in that in that side of things and um, super inspiring. And um, so let's get back. Let's get back. All right. So Benchmade, uh, you said, yes, we love you. And we're going, okay, yeah, we got to, we now we got to do this. Mm-hmm. We got to capitalize on that. And um, anyway, fast forward, let's fast forward a few different years. And okay. yeah, we capitalize on, on, <laughs> on the thing. You guys crushed it in, se- in land of the free season one. Yeah. I was so stoked on that. And in, in that like the, in the hunting industry, this is like the double-edged sword, right? Kind of the dark side of it is the, the bright side of it and the dark side of it is that like you have to perform, and performance in the hunting industry means you got to kill stuff. Like you, you need to have a successful season on season one. Now you can have all the content in the world be funny and whatever else, but if you guys aren't finding success, which is not a guarantee, it's there's nothing guaranteed. about it that's a no. guarantee. We've know? learned that. Yeah, people make mistakes animals don't come in like you end up in a position where there's nothing there you can't control nature you the, can't control the animals and the weather you're burning the, time by moving spaces that's yes. the fun of hunting you don't know what you're going to find correct right, right right and you need it to line up in season one to capture people's interest and god blessed you guys hundred per with an amazing first season yeah thousand percent. so it was just like the first season was just a catalyst for all the rest of it yeah no, I would, I would, thousand percent agree. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was just like from the first time we said a prayer to God, please take this, see what what we can do with it, or what God wants to do with it, honestly. And it was just like, oh, there's bing, bang, dead. There was elk falling all over the place. It was just like, um, okay, well, all right, what what just happened there? You know, what just happened there? It was it was crazy. People then was you guys, crazy. then you get home October first, and you're like, um, there's there's some footage here we have to go through. Yeah, and so, we have to put it all together, and then we have to put out uh, what every day thirty five was the first. I think it was. Uh, I think it was forty-seven episodes. Oh, so forty-seven way more episodes. than that. Yeah. Were you and editing every single day every for basically single, forty-seven days? Every yeah. day. That's funny. Every single day and night. Yeah. We <laughs> were trying to learn it at the same time. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was. It was. So I would rough cut everything, and Cody would finish it, and so he would. You know, he would like polish it after I rough cut everything. I put a timeline down, and I was learning. <laughs> I was learning Adobe Premiere and anyway and so I would rough cut it and then Cody would polish it and then right after I was done rough cutting I would jump to the next day because it was a day by day series so the thing that we understood but didn't understand was there's no weekends yeah. there's no there's no nothing and your and your family and we talked about this earlier you know we have kids and stuff like that or I had kids and nobody else did um, at that time i believe anyway and it was just it was just like it was every day 
There was no weekends. There was Cody no... had Lincoln. She would have been like she was... one. Okay. Like just a little baby. Because yeah. I remember last yeah. year the full drop film tour. We met yeah. Andrea and Cody, Lacey and I did. And they had, I think Andrea either had just, I think she just had Lincoln. Okay. Or she was pregnant with Lincoln, but it was in Sherwood where we lived, like right around the corner. My time management is not, and my memory is not exactly well yeah but yeah yeah everybody can agree to that but no it was it was we signed up for you know we we wrote a check for something that we were really trying to cash mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it was just like every single day and then we got through thanksgiving and then we got through and by that time honestly i'll be totally honest with we were broke we didn't have any money left mm-hmm. we were done we didn't have anything. We'd been working our asses off By the ever end since of... August 26th or so. Yeah. And we'd been working every single day through the hunting season. And I think people, they think that's really, I mean, I'd love to hunt every single day of the season. You got to realize when you sign on to that, I mean, that first season I put all in. And that is exactly right that you said, Matt, because Cody, he had his daughter that um, he he went on. You know, he, he took off like 10 days here and stuff like that, which is totally, you know, uh, that was, that was what he needed to do, honestly. And my, my kids were old enough to where I said, I'm going to sign on for this and I'm going to be gone for, I was gone. I hunted 53 days straight. It sounds glamorous until sounds you're glamorous, two weeks gone. Right. Sounds glamorous, but when you sign up for that and you're every 10 days, you're with a different company. Mm-hmm. So every 10 days, you're with a company that's just like, we're ready to rock and roll. And you're exhausted from the last 10 days because yeah. you packed out three bulls in 10 days from 7 to 10 miles, wherever it was. Helps to have the new blood, though, I would guess. It does. And then yeah, you get to it, another company. Oh, so much. And you're just exhausted, and you're just like, and they're just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> let's Trent, go. Trent and I have talked about that quite a bit, where he's just like, yeah, you, you want to bring that rejuvenating spirit and that energy like to every single person, because this is their first day in the woods, and you have to match that pace and that energy. Otherwise, you're bringing the group down. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a negative space. Yeah, and so you're just like, I've been doing this for 30 days straight, grinding, I'm exhausted, but I'm going to match your pace and your anticipation for the week, because if I don't, then I'm a negative asset to the team. Yeah. Yeah. And that just compounds the, like, oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> it, it is. It's it's one of those in things. In a good way. But in at the same way. time, is that's what I signed up for, right? Correct. And that's that's what you, yeah. That's what I wanted to do. And then we got done with the project. And as far as filming wise, huge success, right? I mean, we killed a boatload of bulls. Big success. Yeah. Great success. And <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and we got done with that, and it was just like awesome. But then we got to produce it. And that was a whole different animal because we, at the same time with the money that Matt gave us, <laughs> it was running out in a hurry because we have mm. monthly, I took a, I took almost a 28% pay cut from cutting timber to go do my passion, right? And put this huge risk on the line. So I was not making as much every single month. Uh, Are we going to get to the Portland Sportsman Show at some point here? 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're not even close to that. We're not even close to I that. Just, I felt like that was kind of the breakthrough and all of that for you guys. The breakthrough was, but, so I'll fast forward because yeah. I want to get to WorkSharp. I want to, that's my ultimate goal here. Um, but the breakthrough was, is where we are. Our office is, is called the loft. It's in Roseburg. And, um, anyway, and, and Trevor Mock, an unbelievable, intelligent person. And I, and I think Matt can agree with me on a lot of stuff. And he's mentioned, mentioned a couple different times about mentorship mm -hmm. and the guy that mentored me. Right. And we didn't really have that. And until we actually talk to people like Trevor and Trevor's just, and we're almost broke. We are almost, we're you got done. nothing. At we're going to fold the project and we're, we've put out as many episodes as we can, but we don't have any money and there's nothing coming in. We've exhausted everything that the sponsorships have done. And we, we were trying to shoot for the stars and we ended up on the moon. Right. And can we, like, can we pause for one second here? I want people to, that are listening to know, like, it's easy to listen to this story, which we're going to get to a place here where, it, like, there's a corner that's about to turn here at some point. Well, the, I was going to say, does it, though, man? Yeah, does it does. It? Oh, it does? Oh, it does. It okay. Into, okay. But you're still doing it, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> so it does. It does. We're on the free four this year. So. Yeah. It, but, like, you guys have, were recording videos. When was the first... I mean, what was that first mule deer that you killed on video? 2007. 2007. Yeah. And we're talking about 2015 here? 20, no, 2017, when all this is like really starting to take Correct. shape. Yeah. Yeah, Correct. so 11 years. Yeah. So you'd been building this for 11 years. And I think it's really easy. And now you're, you're talking about the hardest part of it. After 11 years, yeah. now you're getting into the hardest part. It's so yeah. easy to look at something that Born and Raised is today and be like, oh, I want to do that. I'm going to start a YouTube channel. You should feel inspired to do that. But you should also know that you better be ready to grind yourself into the ground right. and give everything you have to be able to create success. And it may take a decade. And, and that kind of commitment was something that I could see in the eyes and the words and everything else that we talked about that gave me the confidence to know that when it you said worth. yes, but it took yes. a decade for them to hit a low point. That's the thing that people don't understand right. is they think like, Oh, this will happen overnight. And then when they come talk to the guys and stuff, it shows and this and that, and like, I want to do what you do. It's like, okay, we well, be prepared to grind for the rest of your life. If you want to do this passion project as a real life job, and then they work on it. And I remember talking to you guys, like when I came on stuff, it's like, we've been doing this for a decade and we weren't able to quit our jobs for no. 10 years. Yeah. Like they were no, doing this on time. top of their full-time jobs a for time. a decade. Yeah. And then when they finally took that leap of faith and they said, okay, we're going to do this full time. Cause that's what it's going to require to get to the next level. They spent two years struggling. debating if they should continue to do it or not. We took two years struggling, like as yeah. far as, you know, and, and I think that's, man, I don't know if we've ever done a podcast about this kind of stuff, but at the same time, and that's what it took to, is to get to the point where we thought we wanted to be right. Okay. Where we thought that that was okay. That was, that was what we needed to do. And then we did it. And then it was the roller coaster. And I, I mentioned a lot of this, like elk hunting, elk hunting is a roller coaster. Elk hunting is it's ups and downs and everything. And I think we've all been seeing that lately because we're here at elk camp right now recording this podcast, but it's one of those things where it's just like, we had all of this. We had everything that we thought that we wanted 
and we did the project that we wanted and we don't have any money anymore. Right. And it's like, okay, so I'm starting <laughs> to... do now? <laughs> so what does Trevor tell you? How does he help you through this? Um, Trevor is, uh, I'm not going to say struggling, but Trevor is a brand new dentist that is going... Hey guys, I got my own worries. I've got my own stuff going on. Uh, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I will support you in any way I can. But this was me and Cody. This was okay. me and Cody on, <laughs> on the ropes, and it was, it was. And I mentioned Trevor Mock earlier. So what does Trevor Mock tell you in this? How does he lead you to a place of? Is he like kind of a catalyst for you? Yeah. A big time. And honestly, I think it's the forest through the trees, right? And I've said this on this, on this hunt a couple different times, like forest through the trees, like look at the big picture and it'll honestly show you the small picture. Right. And it was one of those things where we got so enameled and so just, just taken up in this project, like and it was time consuming. I mean, it was so much time out of our family's lives. It was so much time out of everything. It was just like every day because we, we said day by day, right? And that's what we pitched to you, right? Yep. And so you don't get a weekend off. You don't nope. get a week. You don't get a fun day with the family. You don't. You are producing video every single day. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where it just it just consumed us. We could not see the big picture. And so we talked to Trevor Mock one of the days and he's just like, Hey guys, um, do you see what you've grown? And we couldn't even see what we've grown. We couldn't even see the likes. We couldn't even see the comments because you don't get to have the time to read through that kind of stuff because you are working on the next day. You don't even get to touch that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, why do you not sell a t-shirt? And we're like, cause we don't have the time and now the money. <laughs> and so, and he's just like, you don't need the money. He says, just sell it online and just, just offer it for pre-sale and see what happens. And we're just like, okay, so how do we do that? And he's like, well, it's easy. Cody knew, Cody knows enough. Cody's very intelligent in, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of realm and stuff in the, in the, um, internet, blah, blah, blah. He's a thinker, man. <laughs> He yeah. just, oh yeah, he's a thinker. He's incredible. He's mm -hmm. incredible. And so anyway, and so we did, we offered and we made them up online. We didn't even have the t-shirts. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to anybody that ordered them. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have them. We didn't have anything. We didn't have a design. We didn't have anything. And we made up like three t-shirts and we put them out online and said in our uncuts. So what we would do with the videos, we would do an uncut every single day. So either Cody had to be over on the coast where my house is. Cody and my house is about an hour and 15 minutes apart, or I had to be over at his house every single day, every day. And so we would do this all the way through October through Christmas. And then we came up with this, or we didn't. Trevor said, you need to have a website that sells some apparel. And the guys that are watching you, they're going to pay for something that, you know, is inspiring to them because they enjoy watching your stuff. And anyway, in three days of the apparel launch, we 
I, I think I, I don't know numbers as far as exact numbers, but it was enough actually to pay for Cody and I's wages hmm. moving forward. And but that set us in a whole different tailspin as far as oh crap, now we gotta get apparel, now we gotta try to do shipping, now we try to you know, and <laughs> our aunt said she would take that on. She says, I will take that on. And so we did that. We were working out of my Aunt Sherry. I love her to death. Uh, yeah, we worked out of her basement, and Aunt Sherry didn't want a dime. She just said, I'm doing this for you guys. And So So you had a basement warehouse? We had a basement warehouse, yeah. And, and Aunt Sherry's she was house. Aunt Sherry's house, and she was, I mean, she would work all night long shipping orders. <laughs> it was unbelievable, unbelievable. And... It was one of those things where you bootstrap things for so long and then you're just trying to make it. I mean, you're just trying to make it. And it's just like, I think, I think people on the see knife's things, edge of failure. Yeah. The whole I time. Think, I think, I think people see things as like, oh yeah, you guys nailed it. You get, you know, you guys are rich and everything. It's like, <laughs> not even close, <laughs> not even close. It's not the way it is. It depends on your definition of wealth. hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. If it's monetary, <laughs> eh, maybe yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. But all the hunting gear of your dreams, yeah, probably. Yeah. No, and I, I'll get back to what and we the relationships. What we started with was relationships, with relationships and happiness. Mm-hmm. Are you happy with what you're doing? Yeah. You're doing right, I am. Yeah. You know, and am I, am I, am I cutting a fat hog? No, <laughs> no, not even a chance. But at the same time, Guess what? I am super happy with what I'm doing. So let's get back. Let's get. Oh, let's 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 pump the brakes. Okay. We've got. Um, let's. We're gonna give this another 15 minutes. Okay. 15 All right. Minutes. Matt goes from Benchmade, and I I go when I'm at while well, I'm at Benchmade. I go through an MBA program, which is something I'd wanted to do. Just from an educational standpoint, I've just been very interested in. In advanced education, it had been a tradition in my family. It didn't have anything to do with like a career advancement standpoint. I, I didn't necessarily think I needed it for that. But I, I kept asking all sorts of business people that I respected if I needed an MBA or not, and they kept telling me no. And I kept asking them, and I kept asking them, and finally I realized the reason I was asking them over and over is because they kept telling me no and in the end i wanted one right i wanted to go back to school and get it in it's MBA. something that you could do that they could never take yeah from. and i loved it. i loved it and i really valued the fact i'd spent 10 years working before i went to do it especially in a manufacturing business because uh, things like cost accounting made total sense to me at that point because i'd worked at a company that was manufacturing actual hard goods you know where some other people in the class struggled right. with it to me it was just it, it made total sense so i went to an executive mba and let's program. be honest you probably had a decade of age and experience over them in those classes no i didn't no? because no. this wasn't a standard mba program in that it wasn't an academic mba program from the standpoint of like you end up with students who went straight from an undergrad to a, a master's this is an executive MBA program, which had, you had to apply and there were stipulations on how long they were required oh. to work for. And they wanted certain levels of management in order to be there because so much about the program is the cohort, which made that attractive for that exact reason you touch on. Would Troy. you suggest that over just getting your 
bachelor's and then going straight into the MBA. Yeah, absolutely. Whether you're going to get an academic MBA or an executive MBA, which is more focused on leadership and like more global business strategy, I would, I would absolutely recommend you spend at least five years working because it's like everything makes way more sense than you understand the inner workings of it. It's not just textbook accounting. I always said that about um, when I went to school, I said, I learned more out of the classroom than in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But if I would have had five to 10 years worth of just life experience, I would have been able to apply all that stuff as I was learning it rather than trying to apply it years later as you were in the work. Get that as an undergrad though. And that's the benefit of the MBA is that as an undergrad, you don't know what the heck you even want to do. Like I, I spent seven years in undergraduate programs going from criminal justice to biology because I thought, I wanted to be a freshwater vertebrate biologist, you know, like salmon species and whatnot. And then, right. and then the business when my dad started his business and I got into it, which led me down the road of Houdini and Benchmade and then WorkSharp eventually after the MBA program. So I've got, I've got a, you know, a little bit of a, of an end to this story and that I finished that. MBA program and right about that time I was ready for a change and a lot of it was because multiple times the vice president position at Benchmade had come available and I wasn't selected for the role and it was for good reason like I knew every every time I get this like sense of kind of dread about it because I knew I didn't have what I needed to become an effective VP for Benchmade at that level because I wasn't bringing outside experience to the mix from any other company. I'd worked, I'd spent my whole career there. Now, bring in WorkSharp, I can bring my Benchmade experience to the WorkSharp business, learn the WorkSharp culture and business, and bring in new outside experience. And I could bring something to WorkSharp that I was not able to bring to Benchmade. It could have worked the opposite. Plus leadership experience, like education. If if I would have worked 10 years at WorkSharp, I could have brought that to Benchmade and then been in that VP position. At WorkSharp, the directors, I'm a, the director of marketing there, report to the CEO. So I'm on the like true executive right. team at WorkSharp. And that was appealing to me in that what really is important in keeping me fascinated in work is to be able to be a part of the highest level business strategy, cultural leadership conversations. And I got most of that at Benchmade, but I wasn't able to gain what I needed for that final step because the thing I needed was outside experience, which I could get at WorkSharp because I brought that Benchmade experience to WorkSharp. What what does that look like as far as that job role? Because I think we've touched on a lot of like groundbreaking stuff as far as like things that made you right. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and stuff and hardships that, that, that we've had at born and raised outdoors. And what does that look like with that interview to take that next step for you Mm -hmm. and go into that meeting, right? Like let's take it full circle. Yeah. Let's take it full circle. Like the meeting that I had that we had with you, Mm -hmm. you know, and you had trust in us. What does that look like for your meeting to go to that next level in workshop? Well, I the first place. What's it, the planning? What's the how to start? Yeah, you mean like how did I start? How did I end up making the transition? And how did those meetings no, happen? No, just yeah, just no, just getting that interview. And where where is your headspace? And what do you go into that interview saying? That was hard, man, because I'd spent so much like less, and the Diaz's family were like family to me. You know, less. 
still was a massive influence on my life. I, Roberta, the whole family, John, like so much love for what that family did for me, and you know just the trust that they had. And yeah, I uh, man, I remember like going to John when I to tell him that I'd taken this other job and just like, I couldn't even talk. I was just like, cr- I just was crying. Like I, because Benchmade was so much of who I was and that family had given so much to me. I just, and I'd given a lot back, you know, but absolutely, but it's a, but it's a two way street. It, it, Did know. they understand? Oh yeah. They yeah. were great. You Super. know, Les, Les was just like talking about how, He's proud, you know. And the, really? Yeah, and the, you know, like that's what he strives for. And then I'm leaving the nest. He called it, you know. That's how that was so. Cool. <laughs> that's even harder, right? Yeah, that's even yeah. harder. That's got to be. That's got to be. Uh, we were at a trade show. We were at the NRA show, and it turned out we had a relationship with Workshop on the Benchmade side, where they would come and sharpen knives for us. Uh, when I was at Benchmade, mm-hmm. now we sharpen knives for Benchmade when I'm at WorkSharp at their trade shows to kind of show what we can do and provide a service in their booth. Mm-hmm. So at the NRA show, we were there, and, and one of the guys on the marketing team sort of told me, approached me, and said, Hey, man, you know, like, I don't know if you would be interested at all, but we have a, a job opening for a director of marketing he was very sheepish and i heard from him later that it like took him a lot of courage to work out because you're asking the guy that's in charge of the whole booth if he was willing to leave the company yeah i mean like that's i can a, imagine that's which for me i i I'd, I'd had plenty of recruiters call plenty of people ask me for any reason every once in a while i would i'll still to this day even at workshop i'll interview for other jobs mm-hmm. loosely if if nothing else, just because it's an information gathering opportunity, 100%, 100%. You know, like, I always want to keep my options open. I encourage everyone on our marketing team or, or the customer service team or a team I lead, like, you, oh, I want you to be here because you want to be here. Yeah. And a good way to know that you want to be here, interview for other jobs, check out other stuff, like make sure that this is the place you really want to be because yeah. I want a team full of people who want to kick ass here. Yep. So it gives you just a, a huge perspective opportunity. And so I was like, the timing was just right. I was, I was like, I knew that Benchmade, I couldn't ascend to where I wanted to be there from a overall position influence standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, so I said, yeah, you know, I'll check it out. So I, I can't, and I'd heard from Benchmade other Benchmade coworkers, what Workshop had going, and they'd gone, they'd gone down and seen the operation and talked about how there's always music playing and the people are happy and like there's something different about the culture there and and Workshop wins. This for, is what I want to. This is what I want to get into. The, but go ahead. So so for the last ten years that uh, they've been doing this Oregonian best places to work, best companies to work for in Oregon, Workshop has been in the top twenty nine of ten years no kidding yeah i won it uh, got second the, the first year i started at workshop matthew bernard the ceo was like hey you know like do you want to go to this event i took lacy my wife you want to this event to like it's the best companies to work for uh, event you know and like just to represent the companies it was just lacy and i and i remember sitting there with this group of people at the table and they called the company names in order that win this is thousands of companies that apply for this and we're in the mid-sized category at this point. And I'm sitting at the table with these people, and I don't know anything about Workshop. I've been there for like a week. A week. <laughs> a week. Okay. And, and Lace is your wa- Lace is Matt's wife. Yes. Yep. And uh, and 
and they're they're calling these companies and then they go, I know we got something, you know, it's like, oh, fourth, third, you know, seventh, sixth, fifth, fourth, you know, third, and they're like, wow, you must really like second place, work sharp, you know, I'm like, whoa, Uh, this is place to start, you know, the real deal, and we'd won it the year before. So, and these are, these are not just like networked marketing type ploys. Right. These are based on anonymous surveys of the the employee base at the company and how they feel about the business. That's incredible. And and that's, why am I saying that? Because it, it goes from a neutral standpoint to prove the kind of culture and business that is there that I then experienced the first time I went just to have an interview, a, a a cursory interview the first go around to make sure it was even worth thinking about mm-hmm. with the CEO, the director of engineering, a guy named Grant Loberg, who's just a total stud. Like, I can't, the way he operates and his brain works is unfathomable. Uh, unfathomable. And uh, and then a guy named Ryan Folkstad, who was the director of marketing, who, like, dude, yeah, so impressed with that guy. He's just incredibly brilliant. And he's now our sales and marketing analyst, like demand planner analyst, looks at what's happening in the market from demand to to connect sell through at the retail level to sell in for us to the retailer to then feed that information back to our supply chain team to know what to buy in advance to be able to supply demand. Just a giant... He didn't want to be that he'd been the, he does, he's done, he's worked for a company for like 25, 20 years, 25 years, something like that. And has done all sorts of different positions. He's been the head of operations, shipping, uh, marketing, and he just didn't want to do it anymore. And, and I thought at first it was going to be weird to manage someone that used to have my job. Not at all. Just because of who Ryan is and because he'd self-selected to want to do something different. It's just been awesome, man. I, I, it's hard to explain the culture that is WorkSharp. Uh, it's a, it's such a high trust environment, and I think there's a lot of businesses that talk about culture that don't actually commit to culture. A lot of businesses that talk about, and it starts with trust. A lot of businesses that talk about trust 100%. that aren't able 100%. to understand 100%. how to create trust. Yeah. That face-to-face willingness to communicate with each other about how you're feeling and and for the other person to have the strength and skill set to accept what's, what's and appreciate said. what's being said and not necessarily have to make a commitment to do anything about it. Yeah. <clears throat> but at least it's all out on the table. Yeah. That's like the secret sauce. And you deliver that with honesty and integrity and love and respect and... You know, you own your own experience. These are all part of our core values that are truly lived, not just, it's not just lip service. It, it, it's been life-changing for me uh, from a developmental standpoint, both personal, psychological, and professional, psychological, effectiveness, teamwork, and for my marriage, frankly, which... So that's what I wanted to get back to, and this, I don't know if it's even applicable, but mm-hmm. yeah. So how is it to tell your spouse, uh, yeah, we're moving. I am taking a job. So so this kind of goes back to the born and raised thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. bring it back around. It's, because I'll tell you what, Lacey a, was like, oh, yeah, we should do that. Because I was like wor- grinding myself into the ground previously okay. and was okay. not engaged in our marriage. And I was just, we were 
we weren't in a great place as a result of just my yeah. hyper engagement to work. I love that. And honesty. she was just like, love that. Please, any whatever we want, whatever you want to do, let's get a change. And 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 I remember, I remember place. you when you were going through all of your college stuff and everything, and you're, oh, this is great. Da 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 da. I'm like, Matt, is it really great? Is it? Is it? But is it? You know. And you were going through schooling and you were going through all that stuff. And, and I remember that. And I think, I think this is important because everything that we try to do, you know, from where our standpoint of view is like create value for somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. So entertain, educate, inspire. So if we can, if we can inspire, educate somebody in something that we're doing, what would be your biggest, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. What would be your biggest takeaways? And um, just, I don't know if it's life. I don't know if it's business. I don't know what it is, but what would, what would be your, your takeaways with what we've talked about tonight? We've been doing that this whole week. Takeaways. Everyone, yeah. everyone in the truck. Yeah. What's your takeaways from today? What's going on? So what's your takeaway from this podcast? Well, this podcast is about my professional journey, our relationship, mm. you know, it, it, so my I'm going to interrupt, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt Go real quick. Go Just ahead. before you finish your statement, I'm yeah. going to let you let you ponder on what you're okay, going to say. Good. <laughs> I'll think about what I'm going to say. Instead think of about what you're going to say. I'm, I'm good at this. You know I'm good at this. <laughs> and which by that, I mean I'm not good at all at this. But um, anyway, I'm just going to say we've been, uh, Matt has been a huge influence on my personal life and um, someone that I can look to for uh, that anchor, for, for, for that kind of, hey, you know what, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong and everything? And I think that's important. Whether right, wrong, or indifferent, whether he throws me a curveball and says, "Hey, you're doing this wrong," or you're, you know, doing this right, I think it's it's good to have somebody that you can sound off of and say, "Hey, what what is is this where I should be?" And we've done this on this hunt that we're on, and we'll we'll talk that more elaborately in um, in the next few days. But at the same time, it's just like what. What am I doing right or wrong, right? And anyway, and I would say Matt is that guy that I can soundboard off of. And he honestly, we, I, I think both of us, we take a, we take a looking from outside in, not just being inside the whole, the whole factor is just like, it's looking outside in and saying, okay, what are we doing here? And I know a lot of this is evolved around business, you know, and anybody listening to this is just, you know, I get a ton of emails, a ton of stuff. Like I'm going to start my own YouTube channel. And I think Matt hit on the, on the, on the head earlier, as far as it's not, it's not your one. It's mm-hmm. not year two. It may not year. It may not be year ten, you know, before it works, you know. But it's consistency and it's trying to trying to do what you want. But anyway, mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, all good. I uh, I'll try to summarize all this, but I've also I've like a, just a flood of thoughts coming in around this. Like uh, I think about a few different points from this whole conversation. One would be that you know like i think it's really important for people to 
to be gracious with themselves. You yeah. know, to not to strive, not to expect perfection, but to strive for excellence. I think there's a there's a massive difference between those two things. Uh, in that perfection is this like thing on a pedestal that can never be achieved and it, some people use that like I have in the past and the reason this is coming to mind is I've been a perfectionist my whole life and I had a major shift towards working to, to progress towards excellence in everything I do as opposed to expecting perfection and beating the hell out of myself when I didn't achieve it. And hmm. this is like, so as, as anyone's like working through this journey of career progression or a YouTube channel or whatever, yeah. it's like do it in a healthy way where you, where you create a lot that, that grace and forgiveness for yourself to make those, those mistakes to be able to afford yourself the respect that you should have as a human being to know that you are imperfect and that you're going to encounter failure because it's really about how you how you deal with failure and how you adjust is the difference between good and great hmm. wow. uh, and the other That's thing good. I would, the other thing i would say is you know like it's all about relationship Everything and that's with yourself and with others, and and that includes culture. And if something scares the, if, if you're not happy right now, even if something scares the junk out of you, but you know that that's the thing that you feel driven towards, just do it. Like the stuff that is the scariest when it really terrifies you, it's not because it's most of the time it's not because it's bad for you. It's because it's unknown, and a lot of times it's, it's because uneasy. It's, it's uneasy, and it's the thing that is probably the solution to your issue, but yeah. you've become so familiar that you find some sick sense of comfort in the discomfort that you feel on a daily basis versus just doing whatever it is that you really feel like is the thing that could potentially create a different path for you that yeah. would be life-changing. Yeah. So, yeah, take risks, um, trust in your friends and the relationships around you, and and afford yourself some grace. I love that. I love that. I, yeah, I, I'm done. <laughs> I, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't top that. I cannot top anything. <laughs> There's always opportunity in chaos. Yeah. No, it's just great. I just love this podcast. And, and I'll be honest with you, like we started this podcast and we're just going to, you know, I said, well, let's just see where it goes. I think it, if this helps any of you, it, it just, if this helps any, any person listening, um, it's totally worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned a lot. I think, yeah, but I, I honestly think like if this, you know, I think the Bible talks a lot about, you know, if this just helps one person. If this just helps one person, it's worth it yeah, in spades, for sure. in spades. And so anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed this and um, <laughs> we will be back. We will be back next week to do another one. Thanks for listening. And Matt, thank you so much. Matt. You're welcome. All right. Bye.